Welcome to episode 276 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, TV series, anime, manga, comic book, audio fiction, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and talk about it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle Springer. Hello, Melissa. How was your weekend? It's good. I went to Six Flags and I'm very tired the way only a roller coaster can make you tired the next day. Right. Just pure exhaustion from so much adrenaline. Right. And excitement. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, What ended up being your favorite ride? Dang. We it was mostly stuff I'd done before and done the boomerang before. Any roller coaster can be named anything. So when I say boomerang to you, you don't know what you're supposed to picture. Uh, We rode it because my roommate liked the colors. It's a steel coaster. So it's like bright Hot Wheels (laughs) racetrack, like orange and green. And you go up and then you kind of rock it around. I don't know. It's like a tall, fast boy. It's like one of those real compact steel coasters. It's not like those big wooden ones. It just goes and like a mass, like that's a whole corner of the park. I, this I got is you. like, yeah, that makes we're sense. tall, we're fast. We're just going to jerk you around a lot. I don't know how to describe a roller coaster. That's not one of the types of content I named at the beginning of the show that we know how to talk about <laughs> is roller coaster. Not something you put on your resume, right? Like can describe a roller coaster real well. I, <laughs> just like, I don't. I, fast? <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> it's roller coaster. It's a coaster that rolled? I don't know. Or is it a coaster tall. that rollered? Most Whatever. important word, <laughs> tall. I hadn't been that high in the air for a mm. very long time. I hadn't thought about it until I was up there. Like, this is no. weird that I get to be up here. <laughs> Who put me here? <laughs> My weekend was filled with all sorts of adventures. Um, I went to go to a pumpkin patch, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we also went to go see Killers of the Flower Moon, which was me too. Awesome. Uh, I happened to call my parents it, like right when we got home after after that, and they had also just gone wow. to see the movie and just got back, and we were like, we must have been in it at the same time, like. That's nice. Completely different states, different time zones. Another connection. You know that owl? Yeah. That's a St. Louis owl. That's a local owl to me. That's our new big local celebrity. Forget John Hamm. We're all about that owl. Did did y'all have the thing at the start where Martin Scorsese was talking about it? Okay. Because I wasn't sure since he was like, we filmed this in Oklahoma and I'm in Oklahoma. Yes. I was wondering, like, is this a thing they show to only us for us to be like, <laughs> gay Oklahoma, I guess, or something? I don't know. I was just like, cool, Martin. Thanks, man. If we lived in Georgia, we'd be getting so many like pre-roll videos saying we filmed this in Atlanta. We were so happy to be here. Thank you for having us, Atlanta. Like every (laughs) state, the directors film a video (laughs) for your state. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But but yeah, that movie was real, real good. Yes. 
But what are we here to talk about this week, Melissa? It is October. This is a month where we focus on all spooky titles. This one does not involve a typical monster or ghoul, but we're like, this is creepy enough that it fits the bill. We watch the Netflix crime thriller series Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. We season watched the one. first season. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is one when you pitched it, it you, you, you had some really, really good pitches, but it was just like we, we just did True Detective. I felt like this also goes really well with True Detective. We also mm-hmm. haven't done like this kind like it's like like you said, it's not horror in a traditional sense. But this is still like sufficiently scary and creepy and there's just a, mm-hmm. a good atmosphere uh, and it's one that i've often recommended on the show yeah. so i was like you mentioned you just a have lot knock this one off of our yeah list here so here same with true detective i also had not seen that one before we watched it here so we're we're entering our detective era as a whole this podcast <sighs> I, hell hell yes i get my, my time <laughs> I <know>. to shine <laughs> so good i love it um yeah i really love this show um i'm super sad that it only ever got two seasons and it did not go on for the third one which kind of could have wrapped everything up i guess not wrap everything up that's maybe not the right word but could have been a better conclusion to the show Mm. um but yeah, um, both seasons are very, very good in their own right. But yeah, we only watched season one he- here, mm-hmm. um, which I also think it, it ends on a very strong note. Yeah. So you, you can kind of watch season one and be good with it. But I also really recommend se- season two. Um, there's some things in mm-hmm. here that are. I want to go on and watch it. Hinted at. Uh, and season two kind of explores them a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy we get to be here and talk about this <laughs> show. Uh, but wh- what did you think? Cause th- this was your first time yes. watching this and checking it out. So what did you think of, uh, of this? I, I pitched it now when I did, not just because it, I felt like it's a good candidate for Spooky October, but my favorite podcast, Blank Check, which follows different directors' filmographies, they're in the middle of a David Fincher series right now. So I've been watching a bunch of David Fincher movies, and I wanted sure. to branch out and also explore this TV show that he executive produced and directed some episodes of. So that was my avenue in here. I had a great time. This actually went down smoother than I thought it would. It's less of a bummer. There's very little that you see directly. It, you will have things described to you uh, in gruesome There's detail. Some, but you yeah, only see very them. gruesome detail. Yeah. <laughs> gruesome in all sorts of like, there's strange things. Not the things you were expecting in this that will like put chills up your spine. Uh, and the main investigators we're following are really compelling characters. You enjoy spending time with them. You're really interested to see what's going on in their personal lives uh, and in their professional lives as well. The angle of the show is that it's set in the late seventies 
based on untrue events, untrue cases, yep. and untrue investigators, these are the folks who are like, they design the word serial killer. We see them come up with it. All this stuff is new. They are the at the forefront of, can we talk to violent criminals, try and understand what was in their heads, how they were feeling before and during and after, what are the patterns, what are different types? They're like, can we create a profile? And then can that help us catch or stop these people going forward? And yeah. it's surprising to see like how much people fight back against that when that seems like so obvious to us now. Right. Yeah. Um, there's like that interesting, like it's just far enough away that it's just like, like, why wouldn't they think about this stuff? Like, why wouldn't you think of that as valuable? Don't you want to stop these other criminals from mm. doing that? So you need to know what they're thinking so you can stop them. Right. Mm. Um, but yeah, like it, I, I think they are living in a time period that is, I think, a lot more openly conservative and I don't want to say openly religious, but like has that like air of Christian values and stuff mm -hmm. like that of like, oh, no, we don't want to hear what the, the bad criminal man was thinking. Like <laughs> it, it, it was sin. We know what he was thinking. He was thinking sin. <laughs> And it's just like, there's, ah, well, <laughs> these are two main detectives work for the FBI. And at the beginning of the show and, and throughout the show, they are traveling around the U.S. talking to different smaller regional police uh, departments, just giving them basic criminal psychology stuff that is known at this time. They're going around giving workshops, giving seminars. And in one of these seminars, one of them brings up Charles Manson. Mm -hmm. And the, all the police officers in this class, like, groan, like, boo, boo, yeah. Charles Manson, which like, yes, not a good guy, did not do good things, but that is not like how we talk about him. It's not how we talk about serial killers. It was very odd to see that they don't I, think, yes, interesting case worth bringing up. What can we learn? They're like, boo, he sucks. Stop talking it's, about him. It, it's partly because of the like, because I, I think that department in particular was the one that got mm. the case. Um, and and so, yeah, it's interesting to see this like mark on their good record of putting criminals mm. away. Like eventually they, they did get the guy, but like he right. He did so much that it's just like, how did you not right? Like, I, I think that was the air of 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 their thinking of like, how did you not get? him soon enough and they're just like yeah this guy sucks boo 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 charles manson <laughs> boo him boo him boo that man <laughs> um but yeah this sh this show to me is is really really fascinating because yeah it, it it takes a really serious look at all of that and how they developed this methodology how they coined these terms and even just like how how long it took them to get there and to, yeah. to, to come up with all these ways of thinking um, as well as just it, it's so fascinating to see the conversations that they have with these murderers and then how that mirrors what's happening in their everyday mm -hmm. lives, which is something then that like. I don't know where it departs from 
true fact and what mm. is fictionalized in this. Um, but I think for purposes of the show, man, they did they 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 do such a good job with every detail in this show to have mm-hmm. some kind of like mirror or some kind of hidden meaning, not like an Easter egg. Uh-huh. but but like yeah it has good themes good metaphors like e- even down to the cold opens of the show the show to the yeah. actual like opening credits um just some some fascinating stuff where it really feels like every detail is thought thought about and it just mm-hmm. looks so good the show looks like a movie it looks so good yeah so I from what I'm learning about Fincher, that seems like that's that's his calling card. <laughs> it looks incredible and it is very, very meticulous. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, it fits in perfectly with serial killers and studying the meticulous details that they would uh, put into their their cr- crimes or the way they did things. Um, but Yeah. Do you have any other kind of extra thoughts that you want to put on that? Should we? We, we kind of already yeah. did a plot <laughs> synopsis, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Final thoughts before we go to housekeeping. Ah, check it out. I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I like I said, I think it's less daunting than it seems based on the premise. There's enough of a a detachment there Uh, and there's enough to keep you interested, even if stuff this gnarly is not your usual jam. Yeah, I think there is also a a like well-timed sense of dark humor. Yes, yes. It's like there's not many jokes in here, but when the jokes come, they are dark, they are morbid and they just hit like they hit at the right t- time yeah. and you're just like, I shouldn't be laughing at, th- at this. But this whole situation <laughs> is kind of funny. <laughs> and then there's a cert- there's a lot of humor I got out of the repetition in what happens in these characters lives. Like yep. they're looking for patterns and they don't see that, like there are all these patterns in their own lives. Like just <laughs> some of the repeated establishing shots really got to me. Yep. It's good Absolutely. old hilarious establishing shots. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, well, we will take a quick break for some housekeeping. Uh, and when we come back, we will dive into spoilers for Mindhunter season one. We'll be right back. Here at the Whatnots, we make multiple different shows and a lot of hard work goes into making them. So we would love it if you check them all out. If you enjoy our shows, patreon.com slash the whatnots is the best place to show your support. For just a dollar a month, you can get early access to episodes and at our $3 tier, a Patreon exclusive podcast, The Pilots Club. You can even get a shout out and thank you on most of our shows at the $5 tier. And if you're one of our patrons already, thank you so much. It means the world to us. You can find out more information on our website, thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. You can also find us on YouTube and Twitch for video versions of the shows, trailer reactions, and live streams. And lastly, we have merch. 
If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a hoodie or a mug or something else, head over to the whatnots.com slash store to pick up some merch today. All right, we are back once again. A big shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. We love you a Thank lot. Thank you. Thank you tons. It means a lot. Uh, over on the Pilots Club, since it is spooky month here on the review show, uh, we got to talk about the amazing screw on head, which is one that Melissa, you had been wanting us to talk about for a while. Yep. Uh, and the stars aligned that we would be talking about it uh, this month, especially since we've been covering hell here on the the review show for our monthly specials um too so yeah old uh, it's the the amazing screw on head based off a mike mignola comic of the same name uh it's it's, it's his art style on the animated show uh so something that i i didn't know about was not expecting and i had a blast yeah uh Bunching fun it. little relic of the past a half hour animated pilot for the sci-fi channel that never went anywhere but a a one-off dvd release that found its way into my family somehow indeed indeed uh speaking of the review show like i said we've been covering mike mignola's hellboy here on our end of the month specials uh that is what we will do next week for the podcast to wrap up our horror month uh, we will be diving into Hellboy once more. However, we will also finish up uh, our, yeah. in, our our coverage of Hellboy at the end of November. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, this past week, though, we got to watch a little movie called The Faculty, um, a little sci-fi horror movie about some a- aliens taking over the teachers at this little school. Um, and that was uh, that was a blast. That was that was a fun one to watch for sure. Uh, a young Elijah Wood is in in that one. He's the main young everybody, character. young everyone. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, over on the captain's log this past week. Uh, let's see. We got to talk about uh, too much thirst, not enough legends. We looked at the like local legends. Uh, from our home or your home t- town, my new home t- t- town. Yes. Since I didn't know what the urban legends are here in Oklahoma City. Um, you got a vortex go, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's in Oklahoma City. Somewhere in your state, there is a vortex. So yeah, watch some out. Shaman's portal. Who, who knows what we're <laughs> inv- inviting in? Um, but, but yeah, we got to talk about some stuff like that. Go check out the Captain's Log. That's always a blast. Uh, and then last but not least, over on Loki, or not on Loki, on the Reactor <laughs> Core, we've been talking about Loki's it's him. season two. Um, yeah, uh, and I guess episode four comes out this week. Uh, so we will be doing our next episode on Loki season two later this week as well. Um, that's it for the show stuff, but at the end of this month slash start of November, please keep an eye out on your RSS feed. If you are subscribed to, uh, to this show or any of the podcasts that we do, uh, we are in the process of switching hosting providers, 
for our podcast uh and there should not be any hiccups with that but there might be um so you might need to unsubscribe and then resubscribe uh if you notice something is up with the with that uh so yeah just keep an eye out but that is about it for housekeeping so i say we get into spoilers on mindhunter season one here we go melissa have you hunted mines are are you now a mind (laughs) hunter as well I'd like to be. I'd like to profile different uh, academic authors. <laughs> I have caught I've caught many cases of authors submitting the same article to multiple journals at the same time, which you're not supposed just, to do just to see who p- picks it up. Right. You're supposed to stick with one and either they reject it or you withdraw it like you're in it till there's a final decision on that thing. I well, there's been such a rise in authors just firing the same manuscript off to like 10 journals at once. You don't need mm-hmm. to hear about this, but I try to mind hunt in my own way appropriate for my profession. <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting because this is my second time watching the show. And even in this rewatch, I was kind of picking up new, new small things. There was one detail specifically that now my mind is going blank on that that like i just i I had that like aha eureka moment (laughs) of like oh i didn't catch that the first time that's cool um but uh yeah i i i i think for me like one of those things this go around was like kind of understanding more where the title of the show came from from that's always something i think about as we're mm-hmm. watching things or writing things for the show is like why did they name it that <laughs> thing and some things are super obvious right right just like oh it's called super man because that's the name he goes by duh who's um who's bosh one minute in oh that's bosh i understand now but then there's there's certain things out there that you kind of question like, wait, what? Why was it called this? I don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think like back of my mind the first time watching this, I understood it, but it was not what I latched on to. Um, and then I think this go around, I latched on to like, oh, OK, I see why they name it mind hunters on on this show and it's like holden's fascination with this lecture that he overhears Mm. right and the guy is like his holden's lecture that he was teaching was full but there was like a ton of like standing room and stuff and no one really cared they were all out the door super fast and then as he's on his way out, he overhears this lecture. He peeks inside and the room is just packed, like yeah. barely standing room. And they're kind of saying similar things in their lecture, but he's just presenting it in a like way that the students like and understand a little bit more. He's a little bit more thought provoking with his stuff. Um and he 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 mentions this idea of like 
hey, the way that people are murdering people nowadays, it's kind of wild, right? Like, we don't (laughs) understand the motive. Like, it's just like some of the things they do or why they do. We don't know. These aren't your granddaddy's murderers. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And and so he's 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 like, when when we can't easily find motive, when when we can't. Like he, he, he said something along the lines of when when we can't hunt for motive, where do we mm. go? And he just yeah. poses this question. It's one of those things where they never actually say the word mine hunter. We are the mine hunters. <laughs> we are the walking dead. Right. Like it's also not that obvious. <laughs> but like that, that question st- like stuck with me more this go around mm. than it did my my like first go around so i i want to ask you like what what stood out to you about this show what what because there, there are lots of haunting details or conversations mm. that they have but was there a certain like aspect about the show that stood out to you or, or stuck with you in a way that you just kept like mentally going back to and be like that's interesting i I did find it fascinating that these are people who are really on like they're just beginning something that like Mm -hmm. in crime procedurals and decades since we've all taken for granted and they are trying to come up with names for things that we've heard a thousand times over. What is a serial killer? They call it a sequence killer for like seven episodes and they're like, no, but serial killer like you see the conversation yeah. when they figure out this is the most appropriate thing, the most appropriate name for this thing we're trying to identify, uh, seeing their different hurdles, their different obstacles, what their reservations are, how the team comes together. I like that Holden like meets a guy and then that guy introduces him to Bill Tinch and then the middleman like you never see him again. And then yep. it's a couple episodes in and then they meet Wendy and then a couple episodes later and then you get Greg with three G's like this sort of slow addition of people to the story, how sort of messy it is. You mm-hmm. can imagine if this was done in a more traditional television way, you would have like your main squad assembled in episode one. Right. Yeah. I like that. I I, I know that this is based off true events to what level of detail if this is sort of the order of operations yeah me and bill were doing this for months before wendy came in i don't know i don't know how much of it is literal but it it feels true it's messy enough that it feels very true to life yeah um that's yeah that's something i think is fascinating about this show that i was alluding to earlier on is every detail feels like it it is reinforcing a lot of the main themes of the show or like the main metaphors um, like to, to, to speak about the, the opening credits a, a bit here. It is like, I don't even think the like opening song is all that catchy or interesting, mm. but it, it is like what they are doing on screen. They're just setting up their recording equipment. Yes. They are threading the, the 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 tape. They're plugging things in, and it's real slow, and it's real meticulous. And then you just get these like these these flashes, almost these like subliminal mm-hmm. messages of these crime scene photos. And it, it's 
super obvious what the metaphor is here is like oh he's being meticulous like the way they meticulously would would tie up some of their victims or the way he would be like so caring about the way he put this (laughs) down right like just get the angle just right on the microphone here you know the opening credits to dexter are a lot like this where he's just going Mm. about his morning routine but it's gruesome details like an unnatural close-up of just him like flossing his teeth or like cutting into a fried egg or something sure yeah yeah just something that is like completely normal valued in a different way Mm -hmm. um which then like that whole thought process also helps to color like all the conversations that the characters have outside of their interviews um so like all all the stuffs with their 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 spouses or their partners or their kids like uh it is like this is also some of the stuff that is explored a little bit more in season two um Mm. especially with like bill's kid yeah he seems to not be like all like like doing well in school he seems to maybe have gotten into a fight is kind of what you can put together Mm. through some like one-sided phone call Mm. conversations maybe he hit the teacher uh but when when you see him on screen he's quiet he won't open up uh he won't talk to people um and like this is what bill is thinking in the back of his mind is like i'm now discovering the things that make a serial killer and a lot of the things that they're describing is what's happening to my kid here yeah like he's horrified which is it's not always a recipe for that right but mm -hmm. he like he's starting to see the connections and he's just like oh shit like fuck they're like this is not good Um, yeah him and his wife adopted this little boy he's six now i think they adopted him when he was three and they don't know his whole story like there is a large portion of this boy's infanthood before he came to that orphanage they're like we don't know what he went through and he, he he doesn't speak it's uh, he 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 might be on the autism spectrum, but also you're wondering, did this kid go through some serious trauma in this time when they don't know what was happening to him? Is that part of what's informing his behavior now? And you can see that is something that worries Bill, Bill right. and his wife. Like we're trying to give this kid as much love as we can, but if we're still not really connecting with him. And if we don't connect with him, is is this going to spell trouble down the road, even if yeah. we are trying our hardest? Yeah. Um, and then for Holden himself, him and his girlfriend, who I, I, I like her a lot. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. Um, but compared to, to her, especially Holden is just such a stiff piece of wood like he is <laughs> he is know. socially inept he's uh, he's kind of awkward uh like he he will like just kind of stare at that at things in a way that he just he, he just kind of <laughs> so, looks like an alien um, <laughs> he reminded me a lot of patrick wilson in angels in america 
which is funny because yeah. I think that's one of the first things Debbie says to him is she's like, are you a Mormon? And he's like, no, but he yeah. has that sort of like bland white bread vibe to him. I like yep. when he accompanies her out clothes shopping and she's like, what would you you wear that suit all the time? What do you wear in your spare time? And he's like this. She's like, what <laughs> yeah. if nobody had any expectations of you? There were no societal norms. Anything you had to meet, what would you wear? And he's like, I think I'd still wear the suit. <laughs> yeah and like he he is the the kind of character that you've seen in other television shows mm. that is like he, he he has the terrible social skills you would expect like his one bedroom ap- 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 apartment to be almost empty right or, yes. or, 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 or like <laughs> in, OCD in, in a way that like everything is arranged in a certain order and it is but also it the like it's <laughs> Right. It's it's not. But like the 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 way he carries himself and the conversations he has and how other people react to him is another signal or or uh, Mm. other characteristics that people that people often attribute to like, oh, that's serial killer behavior. (laughs) Right. Which is what his his story arc in Mm. in this is. Uh, uh, He's starting to realize how like how much do I actually then connect with um and now I'm blanking on his name the, the Ed Camper yeah Ed Ed Camper like he he seems to have a connection with him more than he realized and more than he's comfortable with and he just like to the point where in the interview with someone else, he's actually quoting something that Ed had said to him earlier mm. in the show. And it just comes so natural to, to, to him. It's like, he's, he's a completely different person when he's doing that. And so it is this just like, Whoa, that was kind of too easy for me to switch on. Uh, mm. What is happening? And he's horrified to the point. <laughs> he has a panic attack at the end there. Just like, am I Two one things. of them? Two things. I think it's so funny that the pattern established by this show and True Detective is that in every detective partnership, there is one beer drinking dad and one weird alien guy who lives in an empty apartment. Yeah, and just stay, the that stares at a tiny little mirror on his wall, right? Um, I Holden's character journey is really surprising because where he ends up at the end of the season is not where you think he's going to go at the beginning of the season. Yeah. He's the sort of he's a sort of milk toast guy, fairly humble, like he's going through his uh, he's like oh, he's a hostage negotiator. That's how we first meet him. And he's teaching these classes at Quantico in hostage negotiation tactics, which do mm-hmm. involve some level of psychology. And then he gets interested in how else can we learn more? How else can we apply more of this psychology? Can we stop killers before they kill? Or, you know, once somebody has killed, how can we more quickly identify what type of person they are and, and catch them. Right. Yeah. And he's this sort of, (laughs) he's blazing a path. Nobody's blazed before. And it starts to pay off for him. He, there's plenty of people who are skeptical about what he's doing. He meets a lot of friction, but then there's also like their boss submits them for funding and they get like, both funders they apply to are like, yes, here's like $150,000. They bring the stuff to Wendy and Wendy's really interested and moves yeah. down 
to uh, the Quantico area to work with them on this. You know, he is interviews go well they were able to apply what they learned they were able to catch killers they were able to help people uh people are telling him if they're on his side they are like what you are doing is really beneficial this is a great idea please pursue this so he develops this ego almost like he feels so certain that he's right and mm-hmm. it's like his personality really changes over the course of the season he says all like he'll be interviewing a killer and he'll say these really inappropriate things that are in the parlance of what the killer says. He's like trying yeah. to get inside the killer's head, speak how they speak, get on their level and then learn something from them. And usually it does work. What's funny is that you don't see it that apply in other aspects of his life. It's not mm-hmm. like he says these wildly inappropriate things in a serial killer interview and then you see him getting better at like dirty talk with his girlfriend like he doesn't bring it anywhere else his life is pretty siloed like that he is not becoming one of them but he he is on this weird ego trip where he's got this sort of single narrow-minded focus like no i am right there is a pattern that has proved i am right i'm going to pursue this to the very end i'm going to do whatever it takes i don't know why you're not believing me i don't know why you're not on my side and he does sort of develop this stronger, like he can talk more easily with these killers than he can with his, his coworkers. Like he knows how to sort of combat them and like play to their strengths and dive into this conversation with them. Like he can get like a killer on his side, sharing the information he wants them to share easier than he can with like Bill or, or Wendy or Debbie or anybody. And the final scene of the final episode of season one, when he goes to see Ed Kemper in the hospital and Ed Kemper like stands up and goes to him and you think he's going to do something violent, but he hugs him. And then it's, it's not clear if he then when hugging him, like grips him tighter, if he really does make some sort of a violent move or if Holden just like realizes what's happening and freaks out out and he just runs into the hallway he collapses he's hyperventilating it's like when murder literally reaches out and touches him that's when everything becomes way too real because throughout the season we've seen like what they're studying wendy's more detached from it wendy doesn't go out and do these interviews she just listens to the tapes in the office very clinically very academically but Bill, who's out there in the field with him, we see all this stuff starting to haunt Bill. And there's times where he's like, I'm not going on this interview with you. I need a break. I'm not doing it. And Holden seems kind of unflappable, like nothing really gets to him. He's so gung ho about, yeah, I'm really excited to interview this guy. I think we can learn yeah. so much. We can really apply this. We can help people. It's when Ed Kemper hugs him that he's like, I have gazed into the abyss. The abyss has gazed back. I'm dying. Help. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, yeah, Wendy has this, like you said, this like academic separation, mm-hmm. um, but also just a quick note on on her. She also is a closeted lesbian mm. in this show, which is another thing that they talk about of like, oh, it's this deviant behavior and that's what makes right. them. And that would be one of the things that would often be considered deviant behavior um so just another example of Mm -hmm. like our main cast having these things about 
them and their life that is then being mirrored in in yeah. these <laughs> killers that they, I, they they see and stuff. I really, um, I really, I want to say briefly. I really like when Holden goes to the like steno- the like typist at the FBI who keeps the records of like these are our teaching programs for deviant terms, right. and he's like, "Can you take uh, Cunnilingus off of there?" I <laughs> that's not deviant. We don't need yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, Wendy has this like professional academic separation but also the physical separation of her not mm. being there physically talking to these people um then it's bill who has been in and around this for a long long time he's used to it he's he's okay with it but he's also the type to like, I need to protect my family. I will not yes. talk about my work at yes, all. Yes. Um, and so then he he has he sees the need for switching things off. Like yes. when he he g- 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 goes back home. But Holden mm-hmm. is constantly on. He's 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 yes. constantly in this like academic mode that Wendy is also not in like he's in this like academic inclusion rather than separation mm-hmm. he wants to he's like oh some strange psychology thing tell me more like i want to learn right um and so it is just these like different degrees of how they all interact with it that i i think is just it's fascinating to watch and see how it affects them um, and then, yeah, he he gets this like big bear, bear, bear hug uh, and is, is like, oh, I've gone too far, haven't I? Right. Like, oh, oh, I no. shouldn't be oh, here. Oh, right. man, <laughs> this is not a good situation where he, he's like, buddy, old pal, buckaroo, like, hey, there, yeah. bring it in. Bro hug. Right. He's mm. like, I and shouldn't the, be this close. <laughs> and as the season goes on, he's taking his tie off. He's unbuttoning the top button or two on his shirt. He's rolling the yeah. sleeves up. He's leaving the jacket at home. He's losing who he was at the beginning. And you're not sure yet. Is this progress? Is it good or bad that he's yep. lost the tie? Was the tie what was keeping him sane? Another interesting scene that I think plays into that, too, is when they are when he's shoe shopping with his girl friend. And then, like, sneakily asks the one dude, hey, can mm. you reserve a pair in the largest size? And he comes back and he gets them lighter. And this is supposed to be a gift for one yes. of the killers that they interview. In which the guy, like, in the middle of the interview mm. room goes off in a corner, t- t- takes it, and just starts jer- jerking off in, yeah. into the, the shoe. And they're all just like, well, I guess we just have to sit here and wait till he's done. They're like, I guess this is a breakthrough. Like, this is kind of why we brought the shoes to sort right. of crack through this guy's facade, give him something that he will react very strongly to, and then we can get him talking. Yeah. And then... I don't know if it's like later that night or the next night or something. His partner c- comes out in lingerie and has on like the exact same yes. shoes, <laughs> but just in, in her size. And he's like, he's like very obviously like, those are the exact 
his right. shoes. He's, like, he's, he's I don't trying. know how I feel about this. And he like he's, at the end, he's he, he, like he's he's is like, you know what? Why not? Let's go with it. But it's still not enough. Like she is just like, mm. you're acting strange here. Something's mm. up or this yeah. isn't working. Mm-hmm. But that's also yeah. just like another like example of, yeah. of the like have i gone too far here well i don't know it's my yeah that's it's my girlfriend and she's hot so i, I mean <laughs> i don't know <laughs> right right it's not like i told her to pick out the shoes she probably like you know she saw him eyeing them he didn't tell her what they were for she thought oh he must think those shoes are hot i'll get a pair Uh, You feel so bad for Debbie, who's like trying to make this real after she's been like studying for midterm. She hasn't had any time for Holden. Now she's like, I've got time for you, baby. I've got time. Well, I've got a real special night plan. Look at what I'm wearing. He's like, oh, no, serial killer jerk off shoes. (laughs) 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 That's like the first Um, time you see something get to Holden. And it's when he can't. It's. He's just he's it, unsure like it do can't like can I separate myself and then he like yeah he decides yes I can but obviously can't uh, he, he tries yeah but it's like well physically you're not reacting the way you would be expected to react in this situation <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I just stuff. I, there, there's there's stuff like that in in both seasons that I, I, I think is just fascinating to see. Um. There's this recurring scene that I found fascinating. What does this mean? And I don't know if it builds to anything, if it does echo back in season two. But Wendy and the cat Wendy moves into this new apartment when she moves down to to Virginia and she goes down to the like the basement laundry room in this building and there's a little window that's open and she hears like a cat meowing out there. So she brings out this can of tuna. The next day she comes back, the tuna can is clean. Mm -hmm. Next night she like comes down, does it again. Here's more meowing, still like doesn't approach the cat. We know she never mentions this to anybody. She doesn't say anything. She's not talking out loud. So we're not, you can imagine, this is like almost an experiment, like a very sort of fun, oh, I can apply some level of scientific, like behavioral thinking to, can I entice this, this kitty in? And it's so funny. Like I, I was watching this and then my roommate comes in and she has not seen any of this. All she's, she's, I just said, oh, it's a murder show. And she sees this woman who's just wearing her like panties and like big button up shirt, carrying her glass of wine. Da, da, da. Here I go down to the basement, the dark basement here to do my laundry. And my roommate's like, oh, no, she's going to get murdered. Like, no, this is one of the major characters of the show. She's not suddenly going to get stabbed. I don't yeah. think that's the direction this show is going in. <laughs> but it is hot how much that is uh, the victim imagery when you take it out of context. Sure. Yeah. And. So yeah, she does twice. She like leaves the can out. The kid comes back. The kitty's eating out of the can. And then third time she leaves the can open and comes back later. And the can is like full of ants. It's swarmed with ants. Like the cat didn't ants come and, and, and eat the tuna. And stuff, yeah. And I am like, what did all of this mean? At first I thought with the window kind of ajar, 
is somebody going and she like doesn't close it. She leaves it open so the cat can come in and get the tune off of the little windowsill. Like, is somebody going to break into her apartment? Is there going to be a crime scene at Wendy's apartment? Is that what the conflict is going to be? And then I and then finally, when the cat didn't eat the tuna, I'm like harming animals is one of the early signs of violent behavior later on. Is that what it's going to be? That now there's somebody in their own neighborhood, in their own backyard. Right, they've yeah. seen a signal like she's like, oh, there's a cat dead. Everybody keep your eyes out. <laughs> Look yeah. out for anything else. We could have our, another serial killer on our hands right here in Quantico. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Does that come back at all in season two? I don't remember. I don't mm. know if it does. Most of season two takes place in Atlanta. They stay in one okay. location instead of traveling huh. around. And it is about that. Like they've they've come up with a much better methodology. They're a little more practiced at it. And yeah, it follows the child murders in Atlanta. And it is the same kind of stuff, but you get to follow a single case the entire okay. show. Um, there are still little smaller detours, but it mainly revolves around that one case. Um, now, what about the mustache guy who we're seeing in all these cold opens? I thought I'll he was going to be like just a sec. OK, um, I the to, way it was paced out, I thought, OK, they are sl slowly teasing us, slowly foreshadowing. And he's going to be the big case in like the final episode or two of the season. And then he never was. I, I was expecting him to be like season three like that. That's mm. that's what they do. They just build oh, him heck. up over over time. Um, but I, I don't know if that's what they were thinking of. Um, if that, I also don't know how far they got into thinking about season three. Like, well, guys, just that like they never heard if they were going to get a season three and was just like, OK, I, okay, I, guess I glanced. Not, or, I I did glance over the Wikipedia page um, and it says uh, second season was released in August 2019. In January 2020, Netflix announced that the potential for a third season was on indefinite hold as David yeah. Fincher wanted to pursue other projects, but may revisit the series in the future as he had to go make Mank. Uh, yeah. And then in February 2023, Fincher, <laughs> Fincher confirmed that the series was officially over. So I don't know if it was netflix deciding it or the creative team deciding it was a little just, bit of both I, have, I also do remember hearing that this show was very expensive to make which I'll, is I'll something bet, I, yeah i also hear about a lot of netflix shows like this was one of netflix's most expensive I, shows ever <laughs> well, made and it was this like, one all of them are i don't know um with, with this one i can imagine anything that is a period drama you are paying for like the clothes the cars the set decoration, all of that stuff, just making it seamlessly appear in that time. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess. Yeah. David yeah. Fincher, very meticulous, probably, you know, known for shooting things, doing like dozens and dozens of takes of things that eats up time and resources. I, I can't understand it. Yeah. Per probably expensive enough on his own to, you mm. know, let's do a whole show directed by him. Um, but real quick, quick to go back to the cat thing with wendy um yeah i i just think this is another example of 
like mirroring things that is happening in the show. Like you said, she is applying this kind of methodology to like, well, I can put this bait out and the cat will eat the food and eventually I can entice it to open up to me. Right. Which is what the boys are doing in the interview. Yeah. Use. They are getting them these treats, these shoes, this who knows what. Right. Um, and at the end, like they they actually like get to this, this look in the can and it's just rotten. It's rotten mm-hmm. to the core. And I think that's what Holden realizes at the end. Like, holy shit, I've gotten too close. Like, this thing's rotten. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I cannot, like, I, yeah, don't want to be near this. Um, mm-hmm. the- but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's just kind of what I, I thought of that. But that, I, that, it's, it's a fantastic yeah. thing, though. Just even if that's not, like, what they intended it to be, just fantastic for like building atmosphere and tension mm-hmm. and it's just this like repetition of stuff right yeah <laughs> so good so you've speaking of the repetition the ones that i found really funny were i think in like episode one or two you get holden and you know maybe bill some other agents walking around like the quantico training grounds around the fbi and they're mm-hmm. doing like um firearms practice so there's just gunshots in the background and then every time you get the establishing shot of their office there's just gunfire in the background yeah. nobody talks Quantico about it anymore because they, <laughs> right. they established what it is it's just like routine training yeah. so you have just this mundane gunfire every time you see the building it's like the crow that caused every time you see the nuclear power plant in simpsons every time yeah. they cut to there there's an ominous crow And so many scenes start with their basement (laughs) office and Bill's on the phone saying, what? What did you say? What's going on? We cut in media res to Bill on a frustrated phone call so many times. It's so funny to me. Bill's so good. He's great in the show. Yeah, I, I like his like gruff like he Mm -hmm. is the company man but he's also like he he is the one that established the behavioral sciences so he is into all the psychology stuff he Mm -hmm. knows all of that but he also knows how to play the game like he's the veteran Mm. that has been around for a little while while holden is this kind of young gun doesn't really understand the system. He's so it like that, the, like the w- one of the running jokes in this is that everyone mm. thinks that Holden is gay, 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 gay. Like <laughs> they don't actually say it or they, 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 they don't discuss it behind his back, mm. but they do like in, in the way that like, you're not supposed to say that someone's gay. You're not supposed <laughs> to have that conversation. So it's, we can hint at, at like, we know you and your types. You wouldn't, fit in right and he's just like huh like what do you mean (laughs) (laughs) i like that everybody thinks holden is from the midwest and he's like well actually i was born in brooklyn and i moved around a lot and they're like man you deliver real midwestern energy (laughs) he really does yeah um and he never gets into more about his childhood i was maybe you (laughs) learned that in season two it doesn't seem like it's that major of a plot hook but w- why did he move around so much? And then there's that story he told where he came home from college, like freshman or sophomore year, sophomore year of college. 
He's having dinner with his parents and they flat out ask him, have you had sexual relations with a woman? And he says, yes. And they're like, what's her name? And he's like, well, there's been a couple. And his mom's like, Holden, who will have you for a husband now? And he's like, I'm still kind of haunted by that. And that is something he mentions. Like Debbie's the first girl he's really dated, dated since college it seems like whatever his, his mom did put like this fear of god in him where he's like okay I'll, I'll clean my act up i'll put a tie on it goes both ways because because them asking like have you had sexual intercourse with a woman <laughs> also like implies that like his parents almost think he's gay like man our kid is a weird one like What's up I'm with it? Have to you really watch out for this the next time I the next time I I'm watching this show. <laughs> I picked more up on the fact that he's got that like weird stiff Midwestern or uh, a Mormon mountain sort of energy to him, and he feels very out of place everywhere he goes. Right, like he's he's just not like he's not the womanizing kind of character that you mm. you might expect. From something like this, he's into <laughs> the them and he likes them. You're right. The fir- when he first meets Debbie at the bar, he turns to her and he says, "Nice jumpsuit." <laughs> well, because he, he's, he's staring at her ass, and and she catches him, but and it's he's also just like, like uh, I, "Yeah, uh, you, nice jumpsuit." <laughs> you you could imagine a a some, perhaps somewhat stereotypical gay man complimenting a, a woman's fashion choice. Yeah, I, I can't see that there's a lot of facets to how you can read what Holden's doing. He, he's he's just like slightly socially awkward and people aren't mm. sure how to read him. And like instead of assuming like, oh, you're a murderer, right? They're just like, oh, is he gay? Like uh, <laughs> that's like the the, the next thing. Um <laughs> but but yeah, it, it it just it it happens more so earlier on in the in the show mm-hmm. when they're like establishing this character of of like oh he doesn't really fit in the way mm. other people fit in. Um, but to get back to the cold opens of the show, who you were asking about, about this is by far my favorite bit. In in the whole show, I when I have mentioned the uh, this show, when I've mentioned Mind Hunter here on the re- review show, I'm typically bringing up this bit of just how much mm. I think like, oh, this was awesome. I loved yes. this. Um, like a lot of shows will do that, like in media res cold open. And then, like, we get the big, like, cr- credits, intros, sequence, and then maybe we go back in, t- in time slightly mm-hmm. to learn how we got yeah. to th- this thing or, or something you, like you that. you jump from, like, guy doing something creepy to, Holden, we've got a case we've got to investigate. Right, yeah. But, yeah, it's... Um, and it's not. It is this character who has nothing to do with anyone at the FBI uh his name is dennis and he we first see him at his job and some guy is kind of like rooting around in the bins looking for i I think electrical tape or duct tape or something and dennis is very much a stickler for like no if you need more of this tape you bring me the empty cardboard roll so we know that it's done we can keep inventory 
and then I will give you the next thing. And the guy's like, all right, dude, whatever. And then like <laughs> walks away. But you can tell like he's flustered. Dennis is like, we have a system. We need to stick mm. to it. And that's kind of it. That's the f- first thing that we see of him. And I, I what, what was your thought? Your first thought when you saw that? Just that. That's first a great scene, scene. There's something so eerie about him saying you have to bring me the empty. Right. Yes. <laughs> and I have we seen him before that tape scene? Like, were they in Park City, Kansas in like the first episode or two for one of their cases? I don't think so. They may, there they, they may just have been a, stopped. Blah, there blah, 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 must have just but. been another guy who had like a similar mustache to that. And I'm like, did have I seen this guy before? But I picked up on okay, every episode is gonna start with a cold open of this man going through these strange behaviors and sort of waking up to uh it's sort of coming into his own as a serial killer like he works yeah, for um, testing ADT. the boundaries right exactly he works for like adt home security and you see him sort of walking around this house and you think he's snuck in and then he turns the corner and there's like a mom washing dishes in the sink and she's like oh hi oh i didn't know you were still in here well did all the install go okay like he's wandering around their house in a way that he does not need to to get his job done. And you can see him packing stuff. So at one point you see him and I guess he has like a wife and kid at home. You see him like mm-hmm. sitting there watching TV and he's just sort of idly like got a piece of string and he's tying knots. Correct. And then late. Yep. And then later in that episode is when Bill takes a second look at um the, the, the case with the mom and the little boy and the broomstick and he calls that police department again, that local police department, and says, these are nautical knots. This, and it was in a landlocked state. I forget if it was Kansas or Iowa or what. Uh, but mm-hmm. he's like, look for somebody with like a naval background who might have done this. I'm like, was that this guy? Was that? I, don't, I can't identify a nautical knot. But we see this guy doing knots. And then he calls about the knots. I'm like, is it him? Are we going to come back around to that first case with the broomstick? And it was this mustache guy. Yeah, so we see a lot of what you just described, him kind of pushing the boundaries of this stuff of like, how close can I get to this house with the dog not Mm -hmm. barking? Okay, here. Nope. All right, cool. Let's go back over that that way. Yeah. Him planning out like, okay, I have my duct tape. I have my flashlight. I have my rope. Right. Like and it's they're all fairly innocuous stuff on its own. Yes. But in sequence right it it is just this like dark chilling like that's creepy like you like when you figure out what it is that's happening you're just like oh no this is bad Um, Mm -hmm. and yes this is the btk um and uh he had he was murdering people over uh, over several decades uh, t- to the point where I think in the 90s is when he turned himself in or something like that. Um, but but yeah, that's who it's supposed to be. Right. Like uh, it's but that is the, the thing of that one phone call could have been something about that. Yeah. Like yeah. Look for someone who has a naval background. But that's the thing. This guy was active for decades and like did not get caught and you just see how meticulous he is about planning things and testing things and all of that stuff and that i think is what is 
like truly just terrifying mm. with this show yeah. just so cr- creepy i'm just like oh like now that i know like i feel weird i feel icky right right yeah and this is an interesting echo of the case with the principal i found that principal arc fascinating yes yeah where holden is called in to give a sort of career day talk to some local like elementary school uh mm-hmm. sort of talk tell them I'm an FBI agent. This is what I do. And give him like the very, very cleaned up, sanitized outline of this behavioral study he's working on. Uh, And then it's this principal who called him in, thinks this would be a good idea to teach the kids. And when the teachers is like, can I talk to you? This principal does something weird. He when like a kid has to go to his office for like punishment or whatever. He will have the kid like take off their shoes and socks and he will like tickle their feet as sort of like a oh, well, You're going to have detention, but here you have this. And he's like, and she says, if they stand it, you know, if they let him tickle him, he'll give him a nickel. And she's like, yeah. this weirds us out. Can you look into it? Like, we've tried to talk to the police, tried to talk to him like nothing's come of this. And it's Holden and, and Greg's with him sometimes for this looking into this action that if you saw it from the other end, if you saw it, if this was part of the history of somebody they were talking to as part of their study, they'd be like, well, definitely that is a behavior that sets up and foreshadows violent things they would do later on. Looking at it in hindsight, we can definitely see how this fits a pattern, but they're looking at just one. It's, it's a repeated action, but it's one type of action. It is one singular habit that this principal has where there's a lot of teachers and a lot of parents and and school board members who are like, this is weird. It makes us uncomfortable. We don't like Mm -hmm. that. He hasn't stopped when we've talked to him about it. We don't like how the kids are getting used to doing this for money. And then they have this, this money thing to spend on whatever they want. He'll talk to other teachers who are like, that teacher's a crab. That teacher's a busybody. This principal is so good for the school. The children are always really happy. Our test scores are incredible. And Holden really has to make this call of maybe the behavior is harmless on its own, but what is the risk of this escalating into something else? And he has to make the call of, do I advise the school board to take action against him or not? And he's just sort of passively is like, I can see how it would lead to something. Yes. Yeah. And and the school board fires him. He obviously does not like the guy and kind of wants him to like, hey, you need to stop. But also at the end of the day, I I think it boils down to the school blower just hearing that, oh, the FBI looked into into Well, that Mm -hmm. might be even more serious Mm -hmm. than we thought. Mm -hmm. Right. So, hey, yeah, you guys recommend that we let him go. And he's just like. I mean, I don't know, I guess. Right. Right. <laughs> and then he just yeah, completely it, ruins this guy's life. And we see him once more, like wandering out of a convenience yeah. store that they were just in. Um, yeah. And it's just it's it's interesting to see these slower steps as they are figuring out their methodology, applying yeah. it and seeing the different consequences of like, mm-hmm. is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? when do we use this when do we not yeah right they're 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 figuring it out for sure and when holden's giving the talk to the kids you know one of the uh red flags they look for is harming animals and the principal's like i i don't know if i want to talk to the kids about harming animals can you say being mean to animals 
So that's what Holden does. He talks to the kids like we're looking for dangerous people and a dangerous person might be mean to an animal. And this girl's like, <laughs> my brother throws rocks at our dog. And he's like, are they big rocks or small rocks? And she says they're medium rocks. <laughs> and it's again, great like, answer. Great answer, by the way. <laughs> and it's like, what does this mean? Again, if this kid then went on to kill somebody, we'd go back and look at him throwing rocks at the dog and we'd say, yes, this was part of where it started. But if all he ever does is just occasionally throw a medium sized rock at a dog. Maybe that is all it is. Yeah, absolutely. I um, like how much the show really lived in those gray areas and that the characters some uh, Holden and for as much as Holden is like, I think I am right about things. This is an area where he really does go back and forth and seek different opinions. And at the end, he's like, yeah, yeah, I, th I think you should get rid of the principal. But it really interrogates these sort of murky gray areas. Yeah. Even when he go, 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 goes to these uh, like smaller towns and works on these smaller cases, um, just like the reaction of the local p police yeah. to their interrogation methods, like they're all just kind of like horrified and clutching their pearls and like you, you said that to him. You used the S L U T word about his girlfriend. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't say that. And he's just like, "What? It's fine." Like, this is what gets them to crack. Um, and he's not wrong too. Like, I I love seeing Holden just light up when he knows, like, oh, I struck a chord. And and mm -hmm. like when especially like when him and Bill both recognize it at the same time, mm -hmm. and just they immediately just start yeah. nailing someone. It's just like man, they are so good at this. this it is, is wild. It is nice. It is nice to see it when the two of them are coordinated when they're working yes. in concert when they are nailing down on somebody. They can it's be so effective wild. together. Like that. That one. The one. Um, kid that beat up the old woman mm. and like mm. killed the dog when like when mm. they know it's like the yeah. guy that they're talking to, to to and they just really start just it, interrogating this guy with everything they've got it's just it's such a well-oiled machine which is also interesting because like they weren't they're not really supposed to be there for these smaller cases yeah. like they're not meant to be a team in that regard and so it is like man even with not that much practice together like you guys just know like quote unquote the book of like mm. how to do all of this stuff so well that it's just holy moly watching them just annihilate this this kid who's just like i did it i'm sorry it was me <laughs> every culprit they talked to across the season they all felt so distinct mm -hmm. which really aids the the point of the show itself like there's so many different types of killers out there we need to identify them we need to categorize them like some Ed Kemper <laughs> to talk about Ed Kemper. The like one thing I knew about the show going in, which was I had and like I'd forgotten this was who it was they were talking about. I'd watch one of those videos from like Wired 
on mm-hmm. YouTube where it's like accent expert explains 10 different accents and movies and TV and stuff like that. And the guys talk, there's a video about actors playing real people, you know, everything mm-hmm. from here's Rami Malek's vocal technique and playing Freddie Mercury to you know, this actor in this biopic. And one of them was this actor playing Ed Kemper. So when he says one of the lines, I'm like, oh, I've heard that before. It was in that video. So yeah. I'd seen it before, but I didn't know what it well, like I couldn't remember the name or like how it fit into the show. And when they're first getting ready to talk to Ed Kemper, he, the other police officer says, oh, this guy's just a uh, chatterbox. He talks so much. You can't get him to shut up. Uh, so that then when you meet Ed Kemper, first off, he's as big as they described. He's truly a massive man. Yeah. Like they, he's just got such a physical presence that fills up the room. He's like shot really well. And God. when he arrives, he talks so slowly. And that is not what you think of when you think of somebody who talks a lot and won't shut up. You think of the speed right. at which that person must talk. No, he talks very slowly, very purposefully, very evenly and very politely. And his voice, like the slowness with which he speaks. It's almost like it <laughs> it further displays how massive he is. Like his voice is slow because it has to come all the way up from right. his chest and out of his mouth. He's just so big. He's like an ant in yeah. Lord of the Rings. He talks that slow. And there is something off-putting about how he is sincerely polite, which a lot of the other killers aren't. It's it's he's he's polite. He seems like on one hand he does it like he he seems like a hick right just like oh he's some like backwoods country guy but also yeah he's educated enough to like know big words like when holden says something he's just like whoa holden okay you're (laughs) using some big words um but then like it's also his voice is higher pitched than I think you might think like a big Mm. man. You think his voice would be this like booming, powerful grizzled Mm. uh, thing. And he's just, he has this like sweet, charming Southern drawl to, to, to him. That is, yeah, just off putting of just like, huh, you are not what I expected at all. But yeah, his performance is stellar in, in, in this. Um, and looks exactly like the the actual. I don't know if you like went online to like look at the side by side. I, I know pictures. I must have seen. I must have seen a clip of the original Ed Kemper when I watched that Wired video, which I'm gonna have to yeah. watch again. But um, but man, just just looks exactly like the, the guy. It's just like holy moly, this is a wild. Is is so. the guy throwing the bird into the fan real life? <laughs> Did that happen? Uh, I I I think. All of those people are like meant to be real characters. I don't know if throwing the bird into the fan was a real thing that happened because like that, I think, is one of the more comedic moments in the show, just out of pure ridiculousness of the circumstance. Like first, how do, feel... how do you have a bird? How have you been sitting here at this interrogation table with a tiny bird in your hands the whole time? And then at the end of the conversation, he just yeets it into a ceiling fan behind him. And there it goes. But it's one of those like fans that has like the metal grate around it to stop things from g- g- getting inside it. 
So how does the bird get in there? Really? I guess the grate is large enough that if he was like little Michael bird. Jordan, he could make that shot shot. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd be Larry <laughs> Bird, right? He'd, he'd be Larry sitting there bird. making the shot. Uh, but then also the fans not going like it's it's fast, but it's not going so fast that this bird would like poof explode like that old like baseball video where you see the, <laughs> oh the, the, the bird get hit yeah. by the baseball. It's not that. And it, so it, it's just this like weird series of events like, wait, what? How did that? Why did that happen? motive is elusive right now right that, that's what's happening baseball hitting bird i gotta see that um, thing again that's insane that that happened here on human earth right. yeah um but like yeah i i, I think all those pe people are based off real people i it's just i don't necessarily know who all of them are exactly i'm not super into serial killers or all mm. of that's you know finding out all the details about every little small thing that they did and mm, did not I, do. But, which yeah. is something you find out Holden was into, that he did have, like, clippings. Like, when he was a young adult, he had his first serial killer who really fascinated him in the newspapers. I don't think he had clippings or anything like that, but he's like, I read everything. I tried to follow what the story was with that guy. I've never forgotten these things. And he does have this almost, like, fanish uh <laughs> reaction when he meets some of these people sure yeah um yeah I, I i i mean there are certain things that fascinate us that i do think stick with us in a weird way um like i really don't listen to true crime podcasts even though i'm a big like crime and detective fiction mm. fan but also like this the first season of serial was phenomenal that that case sticks with me i followed everything about mm. that i still kind of do uh or when some like big news thing comes mm. out about that case i'm like i need to go back in and like see what's new see what's out there um got to pour me like, a whole it, new bowl of cereal right yeah like it 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 stuck with me i think in the way that some of those cases stuck with holden that he's just he has mm -hmm. a certain like fascination about them um but yeah i i love the show a lot um season two like i said focuses on that one case in atlanta uh you do get more about their personal lives you get a little bit more about bill's kid and what's happening with him i think he does go on to like kill an animal or something like oh. that so it's just like more of these like he's d displaying these behaviors like how do we do this um and there is one thing that it also kind of happens more so in season two that they they almost do a fake out uh, of in huh. this season here one of the Things that you see the BTK killer do, one of the cold opens is him walking in the middle of downtown to deliver a letter in the like in the like postage box thing. But you notice he has gloves on when he delivers it and not like 
snow gloves or mittens or stuff like that. Mm. He has more like rubber gloves. And it's like, oh, he doesn't want to leave fingerprints on whatever he just mm. mailed in. So it makes you think like, oh, is he contacting the police department in this way? Is he mailing something to someone, a ransom note? Who who knows what? Um, and then I think it's like an episode or two later, you get a cold open that's not about Dennis. And it is the male at the FBI who's delivering the mail. And it like the the camera lingers on this one letter. And my mind immediately goes to this is the letter that Dennis mailed. Like, holy shit. He's been like following the FBI stuff. And like they're starting to get a little bit of press, especially as they get more funding and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if like. It's possible he heard about all right. of this stuff and is like, I'll contact them instead. But it then turns out to be a greeting card from Ed Kemper, who's been mm. sending Holden. He's like, I miss you, buddy. Like, come and see me soon. Right. And it's just like, oh, no. What is happening here? <laughs> I thought it was because this is the epi- the beginning of the episode after greg with three g's mails the unredacted tape to mm, the office right. of professional yeah. review and i thought that ended him. with mailing this begins with mailing it must be connected but if they're in trouble why would the office of professional review send them a letter like the letter is pink which must be like I said, if it's a greeting card Ed Kemper picked out, maybe he does have access to Hallmark greeting cards, the pastel envelopes, or maybe that is some way of indicating secretly this is inmate mail. I don't know, but I also thought of like, wasn't a pink slip always somebody would get like fired years ago? Besides the thing but that I you think that's race, the piece uh, to of paper, not the envelope. Right. right, but I'm still like, is, is the pink supposed to represent something to me? Is the pink and- foreboding? I don't think so. And also uh, on the color, like it, it's one of those things that like the cold open of Dennis mailing the letter, it was like, oh, shit, I didn't think to pay attention to the color of the letter. So it, it is the like, I think that's what he, Dennis mailed. It's not, but it, 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 it is that like fake out uh, thing. And then in season two, uh, it is like it, if 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 you look up the case, the, the guy that was arrested for it did follow the case very closely and would like watch the news and would like try to correspond with, with them and stuff like that. And that's kind of that that's partly why they ended up arresting this guy is that like he knows a little too much Um but then all, I guess also spoilers for that case. They were never sure if that was the right guy. Huh? They just stopped. But also like a lot of the evidence was just kind of circumstantial. Like they didn't have hot, like hard stuff of like, we know it's you. It's like, we're pretty darn certain it's you, but we don't know for sure. Um, and he always main, maintained his, he always main, maintained that he did not do these things, at least as far as I know. Um, and so it is just this like, did this guy just happen to stop at the right time to be Oof. like, I got away with it and you oh. never know. Or did they get the right guy? Who 
knows? Right. Um, but yeah. As as we head towards a wrap up, I want to note two things. Uh, I love Wendy's looks. Her haircuts so sharp. I love her outfits. Yeah. If I could dress I any way, I would dress the way Wendy dresses. A crush on Anna Dwarf. <laughs> right? She's the hottest stuff in anything she's in. She I, really is. She's, she's awesome. She's got the, like these sharp, like incredible structures. She's always wearing like a button up shirt, like tucked into this big A-line skirt. And the shirt is like so straight and precise and unwrinkled. You know, they like put the thing on Anna Torv and she never once needed to like raise her arms. It's like so perfectly tucked into the skirt she's yeah. wearing. No Incredible. human woman who needs to walk around and live and move could ever look like that. But now this is my standard. I will always try to achieve it. Like and, uh, and she she also knows the kind of boys club that she's in and a part of it. Both in the academics circles as well as in the FBI too. Like she has a commanding presence in in, mm-hmm. in the room too. Like even and she's when she's not like officially a part of the team, the way she kind of interacts with the boss, she's not like overpowering, but she like she knows how to hold her 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 own mm. in these headings. That is 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 just kind of fascinating to watch. Uh, and e- even when she has to apologize for this sort of leak of like w- what they were doing in that one town and what they're studying, mm-hmm. when she apologizes, like she is willing to step up in a way that you don't really see Holden step up. Uh, like yeah. Holden's kind of mopier when something goes wrong. He's like, oh, I just I was done, but I was tr- trying my best. And, and she has a. <laughs> More yeah. professional like i take full responsibility yes. i'm so yeah, sorry never does yes this will not happen again how can i improve like what would your advice like she has just this commanding presence that is just fascinating to watch and she looks fantastic <laughs> it's just like she has it all good lord <laughs> <laughs> why aren't any of us anator <laughs> Also, she's also right. She is right that they should be using a specific repeated questionnaire to get a consistent data set. There's no way you can build a real study without that. Holden's got to stop just winging it every time. But Holden's also not wrong either. Like these questions. Yes. If you want true, hard, scientific, here's a study that Mm -hmm, you can publish mm -hmm. in an academic journal, you need to go her way but these people won't ever open up to that so you need to find a good balance in between which i think is also kind of one of the hidden themes of this show you need medium rocks right like if yes if, if you're yes you need to find a balance it look you can you can be a little kid outside in your backyard with a magnifying glass burning ants or like playing with a dead front. That's fine. Like you're really not going to turn out all that bad, but also right. like I, you, you don't want to get so far into that where it does become a, a problem. You don't want to be the distant father who yes. doesn't know how to connect yes. with his fa- family because he just 
tries to shut everything off from his work, right? You don't want to be so socially awkward and on all the time that you don't know how to relax. Like mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. even the 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 scene where Holden is g- g- giving head to his girlfriend, he is just so stiff. He's he's so like is that's right, and she and she's like yes, down that side, the side. Stop asking questions. Just do the damn right. thing, right? Like you're doing fine. <laughs> you just you just need to find a balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are bugs animals? Because when I was a kid, I did put salt on a slug to see if it would shrivel up like on TV. Melissa, <laughs> I know. how dare you? I you just, need help. Put, you I need help in a long time. Now I feel bad. <laughs> this is what Holden was thinking the whole time, right? Like, oh no, I've gotten too close. I put salt on a slug. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I smacked that mosquito who was biting me. Oh man. I that would hurt a fly. Do- <laughs> that slug wasn't doing anything. It's just chilling out. And we're like, let's put salt on it. Like in a cartoon. Then what does it do? Right. Bad, bad news to do to the slug. Kids, don't put salt on a slug. And that's how Melissa became a podcaster. You know, so, sometimes people turn out okay. Sometimes they end up as podcasters. <laughs> uh, uh, one final thing. In episode two, when Bill and Holden are still very much on their road school tour around the country, talking their to all these different police trip. departments, yeah. there's a wonderful travel montage set to fly like an eagle of all these like real quick snappy cuts of just the repetition of like put gas in the park car put gas in the car put gas in the car get a cup of coffee get a cup of coffee get a cup of coffee pack your suitcase pack your suitcase pack your suitcase yeah i i love that bit in that montage where holden is eating the burger like half out of the window and the rapper just (laughs) flies off and he's like right <laughs> like this why is, i needed that rapper this, the this is a show about two responsible adults and holden <laughs> yeah. the child of the, of the this child in a tie <laughs> boss <laughs> baby he's just this like stiff piece of toast <laughs> He's a stiff he really piece is. of toast who's so meek, and then as soon as he does something right, he's like, I'm I'm the good boy. I'm Gold Star Holden. All my ideas are right now. Little red-blooded American male who's actually from New York, which you wouldn't you believe know. it. <laughs> yeah, great show. I love it a lot. I will say mm. that uh they also do finally get to talk to charles manson in season two i saw that um, i did scan through the episode descriptions i saw we get charles manson and i think david berkowitz mm-hmm. yep yep um so there is plenty of good stuff to look forward to in in season two um but yeah highly recommend it phenomenal phenomenal show uh let me see if we have any kind of bingo update i don't think we do um i don't 
think so. No. Mm. Nope. No, Where's, no bingo update. Man, we are. We had to make some time here at the end of the year. There's a lot we had to catch up on. Yeah. We have a few things still on our bingo sheets, but we've been landlocked for months now. It mm -hmm. feels like. Um, so, yeah, there you go. That's our bingo update. So, Melissa, let me ask you about recommendations for people yes. who uh, enjoyed this or at least enjoyed season one. What else might they mm -hmm. like? Uh, definitely David Fincher's Zodiac. Watching that is what made me so interested in Mindhunter. Zodiac is so well crafted. David Venture grew up in Northern California in the area where the Zodiac Hunter was, uh, the Zodiac Killer had been active. So he grew mm -hmm. up with that sort of looming over his life. The mystery of we never knew who that guy was, who knows if he's still around, who knows if he's done, who knows if this could happen again. Yeah. And he made this. It's like a three hour movie. It spans like decades of this investigation from all these different angles. And it is factually pretty accurate in like such a messy way, such a hauntingly messy way where they mm -hmm. will like talk to somebody and then they'll try and interview him again years later. And like there's different police departments because he killed in different counties and they're not talking to each other and they're like losing records. And, oh, I thought we sent you that. And now we don't have this handwriting sample. Like it's just messy and frustrating because at the end of the day, it's just like it, it ends the way real life ends. We don't know who the Zodiac killer is. We, we, we've got a, a good idea of who it might have been, but that guy's dead. So we don't have any proof. Yeah. Such a haunting movie. Uh, I think you would definitely really enjoy it, specifically, Kyle. Yeah, it's one that I have not seen. So, yeah, probably would. Uh, I recommend if so. I know he only comes up briefly in this season, but Charles Manson, the <clears throat> Hollywood history podcast. You must remember this. Mm -hmm. uh, I listened to it on Spotify because I couldn't find it on my regular app. I don't know if it's Spotify exclusive, but this be. show's been running for years. There's a big history of all sorts of elements from the 20th century of Hollywood history, different themed series. And one of them is called Charles Manson's Hollywood, this multi-part, real detailed look into who was Charles Manson? What was his upbringing? What brought him to California? Who right. is he connected to out there? How did he start the sort of family that he had? How did they go out and, and commit these murders? And it's like all of the everything that led to that and all of the fallout from it. It's so interesting, That's cool. <laughs> especially if you've seen uh, or would like to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It really gave me a lot mm. of context for what that movie was doing. Gotcha. And gotcha. So um, I'd have to look up what episode number this is, but we have covered an audio fiction podcast once called Passenger List. This stars Kelly Marie Tran from Star Wars, and she plays this like college student whose twin brother supposedly died in this airplane crash where this plane went missing. And it's been mm -hmm. months later and they're like, we don't know where it is. It must have just crashed. It must be lost. He must be dead. And she refuses to believe that he's dead. I, I'm his twin. We've got some sort of a connection. It's not supernatural, but she's like, I would know. I would know if he is dead. He's got to still be alive somewhere. And she's 
just a college student. You know, she doesn't know anything about this, but she has made it her mission to chase down every possible lead. And the show really gets into how uncomfortable it is for her to dive so deep, to be so scrutinizing of other people's lives, like going to this man, like, do you think your brother was a terrorist? I have to ask because I really got to find out if my brother is dead or not. You understand. Was he a terrorist? Like you can hear how how much she is grimacing through every question, knowing like I am out of my mind to be asking this. But if I want the truth, I have to ask this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we covered passenger list here on the podcast on episode 170. You want to go oh, back thank and check you. that out. Yep. Um, yeah, I uh, see. I, I would I we've already kind of mentioned it, but true detective. Uh, mm-hmm. is is a, a good recommendation for if you liked this show too, especially season one. Um, I also really enjoy season three as well. You should, that's worth ch- checking out. But uh, I think especially c- season one of True Det- Detective. Um, if you want an, 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 like another, uh, like, like, like some period piece crime detective, uh, shows out there. Uh, of course, Perry Mason is a great one over on Max. We did get a Perry Mason reference here in, in season one. I know you're just sort of pointing for general emphasis, but I imagined you having like a framed photo of Perry Mason on your wall, the way, like your grandma has a photo of not a photo, a painting of Jesus. <laughs> you can't take a photo of Jesus. Um, Perry Mason is great. That's over on uh, HBO Max. Um, on Netflix, there is a German show called Babylon Berlin. Uh, mm. That is more detective fiction, uh, kind of in between World War One and World War Two. Uh, it is, I think, also based on a series of books, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but those like it has a much more like 1920s kind of vibe to it. Um, that is it's it's just absolutely gorgeous. The sets are spectacular. Um, it, it, they went all out. That was another Netflix show that I heard that like it was one of their most expensive shows ever made. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't know how true that actually was. Um, but yeah, I would recommend that, uh, this one, I, I, I don't know how well this would go with, uh, everyone, but there's another crime show on Netflix called Marcella. Uh, it's Mm. spelled like Marcella, uh, Uh M-A-R-C-E-L-L-A. Uh, and it is a detective show where the detective uh, catches this case, uh, but also starts blacking out and Ooh. has p- periods of lost time of just like, I don't know what happened last night and the case is ongoing and things are happening and it's starting to look like she might be the culprit. Like she, the de- the detective might be the culprit. <laughs> Holbrit. So it is a little bit of of that. Like, am I getting too close to like these criminals kind of thing? Am I one of them? Like, who knows? Um, But yeah, that would be that'd be one I would I wouldn't go Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. check out. Um, there was also a Korean crime show called Stranger uh, that I ah. would re- re- recommend to check out. Um, there's two seasons on that. They're both spectacular. Uh, the It also stars uh, Duna Bay, I believe is her name. She was in Sense8. Uh, she's the the Korean woman in Sense Eight. Um, she, she's in, in that, but it is a crime show that is kind of t- taking a look at the struggle between the South Korean uh, police and their prosec- their prosecutors, and how sometimes the prosecutors can kind of step in and do things a certain way that the police know are wrong or the police might be corrupt and that's why the prosecutors are stepping in but they those guys also might be corrupt and so there is this like push and pull of how everything works um and it tries to kind of like dive into that i think in a similar way to these guys here building out their methodology of mm-hmm. like how how do we study these people that will soon be known as serial killers here so good stuff good Mm -hmm. stuff with that i also feel like i should mention x files just because it's fbi agents in a basement office who have a boss who gives them a hard time but is ultimately trying to be on their side and advocate for them and it's exact structure being a badass go watch fringe Mm-hmm. she's great so there you go those would be my recommendations uh for next week we are finishing up our coverage of or not we're not we are finishing up spooky month by diving back into Hellboy. uh we will be reading volumes uh seven eight and nine of mike mignola's comic um so yeah Get excited about that. We will finish up how uh, at the end of November. Um, so we do have some more hell down the road. But Melissa, I have my pitches ready for yes. the week after that. If you want me to uh, go ahead and go, do that. Yes, always. Now I love okay. having time to prepare. Yes. So for our first week in November, our first weekend in November, I should say uh i wanted to pitch three movies but earlier this year you sent me a youtube video by the cinema cartography uh and it was Mm. his top 30 films of all time um Mm. and i didn't watch it right away but i eventually got to it's a long uh, video it it is on its own feature it's like two and a half hours long yeah, it's a long video in indeed, but he breaks down his top 30 films of all time and why he chose them. Uh, and yeah, I eventually watched it and it is a phenomenal list. I think it is worth checking out. Please go watch that video. Um, but I thought I could use that as a launching pad for like, let me pick three of these movies that either I have not seen have not covered on a podcast or mm-hmm. right. I, I just, I wanted something brand new to me here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have three movies to pitch. Uh, the first one 
is a French film from 1995 called La Hain, uh, and the English uh, name of the film is simply Hate. Um, okay. This is a French <laughs> right? Okay, I'll uh, go Google Hate. <laughs> what? Will you hate spell movies. out that French title? I hate movies. <laughs> what, what's the, how do you spell the French title, please? L A space H A I N E Lahine. I think that's okay. Thank you. Pronounce it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is a movie about uh, three young men and their time spent in the suburban ghetto uh, over a span of twenty four hours. Um, mm. there, they, uh, let's see, I'm looking at the like storyline here in, um, IMDB, uh, they've grown up in these French suburbs where high levels of diversity coupled with the racist and oppressive police force have been, have raised tensions to a critical breaking point. During the riots that took place a night before, a police officer lost his handgun in the ensuing madness, uh, only to leave it for Vins to find. Now, with a newfound means to gain the respect he deserves, Vins vows to kill a cop if his friend uh, Abdel dies in the hospital due to the beating uh, he received while in police custody. Um, this seemed like a really interesting movie to me. Uh, it seemed to depict like ur ur urban street life. It has a young Vincent Cassell, um, in, in this also, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Saeed Tagmayoi. I don't know. I probably said that. We're going to have to learn. Um, I, 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 I know him from la, 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 Lost and a few other things, but I always la, 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 love to see him um, when he's in this. And I saw him in the like trailer that was in this. And I was just like, oh, hey, it's that guy. I love him. He's great. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think this is an interesting one. It looks like it's mostly shot in black and white um, and uh, they also said it is notable for mostly using actors that have never acted before um, to get a sense of realism to the film there. So uh, that is pitch number one, Lahine. Um Oddly enough, pitch number two was the very next movie oh. on his list. I should have written down what numbers they were on his list, but uh, I don't have those Let at the see. top of my head. It might have been in like uh, a, a pinned comment. I'll look it up. Right. It might be in the description. Um, but pitch number two is called Love Exposure. This is a Japanese film oh, okay. from 2008. It says it's a Japanese comedy drama film written and directed by Sion Sono. Um, this one just seemed absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yep. It is about a kid whose father is a Catholic 
priest, but the death of uh, his mom, mom has kind of estranged him from his father. Uh, so to get his attention, he starts acting out and doing all these hands, which eventually leads him to creating this like group of like this club that is about like finding ways to get upskirt shots of women to which then he eventually like loses a bet and has to cross during which he meets this woman who's starting some like sexless cult thing it it's it sounds like just a complete roller coaster um of a movie it seems kind of like a cartoon or caricature of uh like of japanese culture like modern day japanese culture but ends up mm -hmm. being super heartfelt um i was not able to find this one on a streaming service however i know we can watch this on archive.org and I okay. will say the first review on archive.org is this movie took me on such a wild ride. It was hilarious, dirty, dark, scary, and beautiful. I am blown away that, so that something that started so cartoonish ended so real. Um, mm -hmm. So I just and that was a review from March of 2023. So who knows? Maybe they saw it on the cinema cartographers list, which was also from earlier this year. They were just like, let me go mm -hmm. check this out. Um, so I just thought this one looked ridiculous. It was fascinating, though. I should say up front that it has like a four hour runtime. It is. Oh, my God. I <laughs> a long one. Um, so yeah, that is pitch number two. And last but not least, uh, pitch number three is Persona. This is a, a Swedish avant-garde psychological drama from 1966. Um, and it is about a woman, uh, who I believe, uh, says, says the story revolves around a young nurse named Alma and her patient, a well-known stage actor actress uh named elizabeth vogler who was uh suddenly who, who suddenly stopped speaking they moved to a cottage where alma cares for 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 her and confides in her and begins having troubles distinguishing herself from her patient and so it is this kind of psychological thing of like is like is the patient even real is mm. or is the nurse even real here is it all one person and then is their their split personality or are they two actual separate people here um so yeah i thought that one was interesting this is also shot in black and white and uh he praised this one for its cinematography uh, that it is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, written, directed, and oh, produced by uh, Ingmar Bergman, I should say. So, uh -huh. uh, I don't think this I mentioned, one is on. Uh, go ahead. You're about to say something. No, I, I googled this one. Uh, it took me a while to get to Persona the movie and not Persona the video game series, but right, yep. 
This one is easily accessible on Max. Yes. Uh, and then Good I will say Lahine is available on uh, Tubi, I believe, is where I found it. You can watch it for free on Tubi, but that probably means it'll have commercials. Um, so, yeah. Pitch number one, Lahine. Pitch number two, Love Exposure. And pitch number three, Persona. This is fascinating because I found this video. I sent it to you. I forget if there was a specific reason why I sent it to you, but you came th- away I, with I you came away with different movies than I did. Akira. Maybe, maybe that, that is why. List, yeah. I, you came away with this with different movies than I did. I mean, they were all fast, fascinating. Yeah, um, some great I was, choices. I was, I was really hoping you'd throw yee yee in here. Gotta tell you that. that Ever since I watched this video yeah. and it talked about yee yee, I've like seen that movie come up in a lot of different contexts. I've seen that one praised so highly and I don't even know how fascinating. We have to watch yee yee. Okay. Good to, good to know. Good to know. Very nice list. We can return to this again in the future. This is a nice. Uh, oh, yeah. We just go through like the entire Criterion collection. Just like pick. A couple pitches out of the Criterion collection. There you go, yeah. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I, not just because it is the shortest film and the film that is the easiest to get to without having to go to a uh, an, a .org or pay $4 for it. I'm going to go with Persona because this feels like it's a great continuation of previous themes here on the review show. This feels like it could fit yeah. right in with our perfect blue black swan suspiria run of titles <laughs> yeah that's this is exactly why i picked I, this one like this this feels like that so i and i've got another movie that could fit in the series also we're gonna have to name yeah. whatever this series is that we're building absolutely whatever these like writers and directors were eaten when they made these things i want some of that give me what they're ha- ha- having so, yeah, I am. I'm super excited. So, yeah, in in the first week of November, uh, then we will watch Persona, which is available on Max. You guys to check out. So there you go. Um, next week, wrapping up our horror month with some more Hellboy. <laughs> I think both Melissa and I will also be in costume. So, yes, get excited for that too right uh it's gonna gotta be finish fun. putting that together indeed indeed um so yeah uh i think that about wraps us up for this week on the podcast so melissa where can p- people find you on the interwebs you can find me on a new letter boxed i i've yet to do very much with it but i do have it and i do intend to flush it out i am on letterboxed at wilkywit w-i-l-k-y-w-i-t there you go. Uh, you guys can find me at Yo Kyle Springer on most of the social media places. Uh, and if you'd like to stay up to date with all of the stuff that we do here at The Whatnots, we are at The Whatnots on most social medias. Uh, we might be at The Whatnots official uh, on one or two of them. But please go like, share, and subscribe. We got plenty more videos right over here for you all to check out. If you're watching this on YouTube, 
Uh, and yeah, this has been number 200 something something of the Whatnots Review Show. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.